Welcome to Mind to Make, episode two. You've got Jeremy Glenn with you here. And in the background, we're just listening to the beautiful sounds of Miss Maylie Todd and her latest single, Afanya La. Video link is on the Mind to Make website. Maylie is described as a polymath, free thinker, psychonaut, Jill of all trades, Renaissance woman, it's a woman with a Y. She's a Toronto-based multidisciplinary artist, vocalist, and producer, and has been called many things, but the one thing her artistic and musical output has been consistently called is stimulating, and I can attest to that. Uh, I have uh, done some shows with Maylee in the past, I've done a couple remixes for her, and I really wanted to talk to her because I feel like she really embraces the true meaning of what it is to be an artist. Her, her latest project, Acts of Love, that's her latest album, along with her virtual womb show, um, are something that at least I've never seen before in terms of performance and I think is really new and, and special. Um, and in addition to those two projects, we discussed the psychology of psychoactive experience and the collective journey through performance and how, how to really create a live show that takes the audience in mind first. We talk about the pros and cons of going it alone versus having a team around you and how to choose what's best in those situations. As well, we talk about the necessity of practice and compassion in the creation process and the pressures of trying to prove yourself as an independent producer and, and really how to manifest your best life through, through your work. Finally, we talk a bit about the benefits of uh, her meditation practice and learning humility through releasing some control and uh, the power that comes through ritual and perspective. And very quickly, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who has supported the Mind to Make podcast so far. Uh, more will be coming, and uh, I encourage you to check out the website for any updates, uh, sign up for the newsletter, and that kind of thing. So without further ado, I bring you Mind to Make Episode 2 with Maylee Todd. Okay, so I'm here sitting with Maylee Todd. So how are you doing? I'm You're doing good. great. Yeah. Love and life. Yeah. Doing my best. Trying. You have to try. I usually like to start off by going back in the past a bit, just to give some perspective on how, how you got interested in music in the first place and how you kind of came to the point of your first performance or the first time you were like, hey, I think I want to make a record or anything like that can you give me a bit of a bit of background mm -hmm. um i've always been interested in music and performing i've always been performing um as a young kid we used to put on a lot of plays in the house my father just a little family history my my father is an elvis impersonator okay. frank sinatra impersonator neil diamond impersonator and he's a bit of a joker so he um also uh, has these like satirical like parody songs that he makes okay. which are very racy and very in this year specifically would not fly very well <laughs> <laughs> but he's learning he's doing his best um uh but again uh very like uh besides all that a very uh, like 
loving, funny, very performative man for sure. So that's where I got the performing side of things. I was absolutely inspired by him. My mother is um, now he, he works as a locksmith. Okay. Uh, and uh, oddly funny, kind of interesting enough, his grandfather was an escape artist. So he was known as the great Toddini. <laughs> and so his thing was, because he was a locksmith too. Um, okay. And uh, he, yeah, escaping from different types of locks was sort of his thing. And like straight jackets, et cetera. Amazing. So my father assisted him with his performances. Okay. And, uh, and then became a performer himself. And as I became a performer too that's sort interesting of and interesting not in the heat and why did do you know why he didn't decide to go into the escapism oh i not think in fashion or he just didn't i guess he's always been a fan of music so he listened to a lot of um bossa and he loves brazilian music so he plays guitar okay and um i guess he got a knack for i'm not sure actually this is your um actually inspiring me to ask him how he got into Elvis specifically. It could be the timing of things yeah. too, just because he is from that era. Um, but yeah, but why? I'm always, it's always kind of curious as to why for sure. And then my mom, she's an occupational therapist, but really she is an artist through and through. Absolutely. Like an incredible artist. She works in textiles. So she makes these really elaborate, intricate quilts uh, dolls, paints, um, and her quilts are geometric, uh, interactive. Uh, there's like you know, like a, a dress on the dress, dress on the on the doll in, on the quilt, mm. and swallow the fly, and then you like go up to the <laughs> the dress and like lift up the skirt, and and she's a bit of a joker. So um, she also has like a, a sense of humor and uh, and very childlike qualities too, which make her even more endearing. Um, and then my sisters, they're, they're natural performers. Tanya was a performer. I think she inspired me because she played, uh, guitar and front her own band. Tanya is the, is the oldest She's the eldest one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she just seeing that, like when I was really young, that had an impact absolutely for sure. Cause she was a woman fronting a band, writing, playing multiple instruments mm. that had like a major impact on me for sure. Um, Leilani, who's the second, uh, there's three of us, the second of three. She's uh, a a director now, like a creative director, mm. artistic director. Um, but um, before that, she like had her own line and was in fashion. She's always been very fashion fashionable and always into the arts, visual artist. So my family really is like an arty family for yeah. sure, absolutely. Um, so I would say they were my first teachers and my first source of inspiration it was just a really natural thing mm. it's very natural that we all are arty folk and just have been making since we were young mm. always making painting music yeah do you think that that's somewhat of a prerequisite or have you in your experience like known maybe, I mean, maybe you're not asking everybody what their family life is right like, but. i don't know i mean it helps because you're born into it so you kind of like live it and breathe it um, I think it's like an acceptance of, of sorts or sort of like a, what do you mean? Well, like, per, like you're in a sense given some kind of permission to, yeah, for to sure. do that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, I think like really important is that like sense and permission of freedom. Uh, I made vid very weird, strange videos when I was like in grade seven, you know, like 
I don't know how many like family members would have really accepted <laughs> some of the content, you know, like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, I'm, I feel very blessed that, um, that my, I feel very blessed and extremely privileged that my, my family did value, uh, artistic freedom and f sort of freedom in general in a lot of ways, you know, they, they kind of let us do whatever we like. If, Mind you, we had tons of chores and for sure, absolutely, I thought like my parents had us because they wanted people to clean up after them and do their laundry at a very young age. And right. we had chore lists and whatever, whatever. But as long as we did all the things that we're supposed to do, yeah, then um, we creatively can like do, you know, whatever we like, which is nice. We like engaged with my mother and like painted and sang and it's nice to have these experiences. So you, so when was it that you first kind of uh, publicly made your presence known? Like when you were like, okay, I think I want to take this show to the people. Right. Uh, when when we were young, we all performed together uh, in like senior homes and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and I was a part of the choir, um, but I'd say like as an independent entity, um, I must have been in my twenties. And, um, like I wrote songs and stuff in elementary school and high school, but never really performed them. It was fun and performing and being silly was a no brainer and very easy. Uh, but being serious and like pouring out my heart and soul, obviously a little bit more mm. difficult for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess I didn't start performing I, I, again I've been in bands and stuff in like the mid 2000s uh, but up until like my first record maybe it was 2007 2008 was like the first time I performed as a solo artist um, just under my name and then I came up with a record in 2010 I still remember my first gig and that was at the embassy and I played on guitar or a glockenspiel, maybe played some piano. I was really into Regina Spector. So it was all quirky songs from then on out and a couple of notes being hit here and there. Um, yeah, so that was fun. But uh, I remember being so nervous, but so grateful. And I still remember there was like maybe a couple people there, but I, don't really, I didn't really care about that. I was like nervous. I was going to vomit and throw up <laughs> just because I was performing. It was so nerve wracking for me. Um, but I still remember the experience and just feeling holding on to that experience. Like it feels, it feels nice. It's so weird how like that experience, the experiences I'm having now, like pale in comparison to like that first experience. You, you mean know? like emotionally speaking, like yeah, in terms in, of the like level of anxiety or I would say emotional satisfaction. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's, but it's interesting because it seemed like you have a lot of, like you had a lot of experience performing before then. You'd been in mm -hmm. bands, you'd been performing at like, okay, maybe s seniors aren't as critical as audiences right. in Toronto. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, it's different when it's your own material. Yeah. It's different when you're alone and you're not under someone else's name or just a part of something. Yeah. It's like, you're really like. Um, exposed. Exposed yeah. and really vulnerable and extremely naked and like, just like right there and like have to like sit and like 
absorb potential of what's coming up after or how more so I think it's like I think the 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 fearful part for for me is um not so much the experience or the feedback it's the fear of fear itself if you will mm. yeah the idea of like being nervous and then that like spiraling mm. there's this concept that. that i have become familiar with called propunctia oh, okay which is this idea of you in your head moving towards this fate which is not good yeah. It is the maybe the worst possible scenario that you can imagine in your head, despite everything p potentially in the present being perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in that present moment that would indicate that things are going to go that way. Mm -hmm. And yet your mind is still like, everything could fall apart, and then what if I do this, and then I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to miss this cab, then I'm not going to get to the gig on time, and then I'm not going to make the sound check. And it, it's a living nightmare. Yeah, right. It's like a shackle of your mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you got through it. You still wanted totally. to. You still wanted to perform afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, is, so it doesn't sound though like you. There's as much gratification in the performance aspect of what you do, maybe as the creative aspect of it. Yeah, like for the sure. Process to get to get to that point. Yeah, like uh, which is which is an interesting, interesting to be experiencing now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 36 now, so I've been doing this for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe, I don't know if it means I need to just take a break or if it's just a natural, I'd like to think of it more of like a natural chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, I am kind of someone who really loves uh, experience and different types of experiences. So it seems pretty natural that I would be interested in trying something new. Um, like I was saying in the kitchen, the virtual womb show, the, the last one I had, it was great. The performance was awesome like i could really feel uh audience members energy and they're engaged and they were taking something from the performance which is always nice but in terms of my own satisfaction i was feeling very fulfilled leading up to the show organizing sitting and chatting with a lot of the people involved in the show and just hearing their voice their the things that they love, the things that they're fearful of, like, again, a lot of like kitchen convos, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and having like very deep, meaningful conversations. The show, just to kind of explain, just so there's some context here. Yeah. The show is, uh, the show is called Virtual Womb. Uh, from an audience experiencer's uh, point of view, you walk through a large vulva, you bring your blanket, you lie on the ground, you take in projections that are on the ceiling that coincide with uh, the, the musical aspect that's happening on stage, which is like a mini ensemble, backup vocals. Um, the album, Acts of Love, is a conceptual record. Each song deals with um, different experiences and it's kind of like me outing my bullshit. So what I mean by that is historically, I've written songs that are very much like, blamey, you've done this, da 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 da. Mm -hmm. This record is more about me being accountable for my own stuff and not so much. I don't want to say that I'm judging myself. It's more like I'm like telling the tale of my experience and that changes has changed so much. The experience of what I think, how something should be. I'll give you an example. So it's not confusing. One song is about polyamory, open relationships, uh, monogamous relationships. And in through, through all these uh, types of, 
um, relationships, I'm like, this is, this makes sense. This is the ultimate, this is the end all be all. And then, uh, then like my perspective would flip, be like, actually, no, this is maybe just well suited for this chapter of my life and is not like the end all and be all of mm-hmm. like who I am, you know? Um, and also maybe I'm in an open relationship for the first time and I think I'm very, very cool and secure, but actually I'm a bit of a nightmare and uh, this is how I'm reacting to it. Yeah. And that was interesting because I didn't see that coming, you know? Yeah. So again, being really self-aware of just kind of my shit, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, it's almost like uh, like the idea of self-love, like you're giving your, you've, you've given yourself permission to express yourself you know, it's compassion towards your, yeah, yourself. totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. One song is about addiction, you know? So it's kind of funny because the album is so rooted in these worldly earthly issues, um, and all these labels, etc. Virtual womb is quite the opposite of that. It's a place of gestation, meditation, a place before any identity or values or anything that the world concepts, constructs, have thrown or condition you to be the womb is a place pre to all of that. Um, so there's no labels like any gender race, all that kind of stuff you leave at the door, sort of an all is one <laughs> without being so cheesy, but Hey, I'm a bit of a cheese ball. So pairing those together, I thought like, how is that even possible? But it reminds me of, a psilocybin experience where I'm like in this place where I really feel connected to everything, every, everyone. And then my ego, all the things, all my past experiences, all my future fears, future plans, reminders of who I am or who I think I am kind of roll in and penetrate through this like very present experience. So I just thought that that was like a very good kind of mirroring experience. I'm always trying to replicate some kind of psychedelic experience uh, visually and also like mentally too, you know. The show is very much rooted in psychology, I feel. And there's another portion of the show, portion in the show where people write down their, um, what they do for depression. Okay. So uh, I have all these sheets of, people's coping mechanisms for depression. Was that just like, it's like a way for you to get therapy? <laughs> like some good ideas. Totally, dude. Yeah. This is like me collecting the data so I could figure out what the hell's going on, yeah. you know? Which I admitted at the show. I was like, honestly, it's uh, it's me collecting the collective consciousness and it all lives online so people have access to okay, it. Okay, I was going to ask. Because yeah. there's various ways to live, various ways to think, various ways to do stuff. I don't have the goddamn answer. I don't know if anyone really does, but there's something nice about us all kind of working together for it mm-hmm. and maybe taking um, taking inspiration from each other. Where did this come from? I read an Airbnb at a, or did for a long while out of my place. Um, 
there's uh, there's a lot of interesting characters that rolled in and out. Just to kind of Cole's notes this, I took on their practice, whatever that was, for a couple weeks. Uh, for example, my friend Amber, she goes to the train tracks every Sunday and she picks flowers and then she'll paint them. So that's just something very simple. Um, I was like, great, I'm going to go every day, go out uh, and like find plants. So again, well, I'll get back to that. Um, so I, I went out, uh, picked plants, arranged them in a beautiful way and then would, would paint them. Why am I doing this? You know, is it the same experience as hers? No, because her history and all of her biases and da 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 da, da um, she may not have, I may not have the same experience or feel the same way she feels when she does it, but it's a, a nice suggestion and something nice to try. So what have I noticed? Well, I noticed, uh, I started looking at plants differently, not just flowers. I was mm -hmm. looking at different types of plants because I was painting them. So I was kind of curious as to see sort of what would be interesting to paint about, paint them when I, before I pick them. I started going into different places in the city. So I was exploring a little bit more. Um, and there's something very soothing about painting for me. My perspective again is not the same experience that she's having, but it's inspired by her, this like gesture that she, she does every week, you know, this ritual she does every week. And, um, I thought there was just something nice about sharing perspectives, regardless if you're really experiencing it, like that experiencer, probably not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but that's okay. And also like, again, cu the cultivation of a skill. So now I'm just by, you know, doing this for a month, I'm just progressively getting better at painting, whatever that means. Doesn't mean I'm going to have a show. Doesn't mean that I'm going to be a painter now. It just means that I'm like developing a skill through like perseverance, patience mm -hmm. and perseverance, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyhow, so to go back, that that's sort of the, the catalyst that I have this book. I'll show you. Um, where I have like a bunch of people's different um, different sort of uh, practices. This book is sort of the inspiration to Virtual Womb also and has some, it's kind of like a diary in some way, visual diary. Also some psilocybin experiences that I had. I've been writing them and drawing them out when I come to after like four hours, you know, right. out of Technoland. Um, and yeah, so ha having that experience, I was like, you know what, wouldn't it be cool to gain all a bunch of perspectives, you know, and everybody has access, can have access to that. I believe there's something in that. I don't know how it can be used in a practical sense besides people going online, looking at it, reading it and feeling inspired. And But don't you think there's something it? like the, the, I mean, you've set up a place for people to feel safe automatically. I mean, how can you feel more safe than being in a womb? Yeah, it's literally right. potentially the most protected comforting space you could put yourself in granted they're not physically putting themselves back into a womb right <laughs> but this is sort of what you're setting up in some way right mm -hmm. you're at least mentally and i feel like the act of them all being there together mm -hmm. you sort of like created conditions for them in which to feel safe comforted I hope so and like even like just the idea of lying down mm -hmm. is another sort of equ equality that was like my my way of tricking people, <laughs> tall and short yeah. <laughs> and uh, like status or not status, whatever, first come, first serve, lie down. Everyone can see. Everyone yeah. has access to see. 
Uh, that was also like a tricky way of me. <laughs> but it's so cool, like sen- sensorily. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. not. You don't. You're not going to have the problem of the tall guy in front yeah, of you. Yeah, totally. It's not a problem for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that. Um, and also, like, so for for me, how I've been, you know, again, we've been doing music for ever. You know, the experiences that going to shows, I just want to sit and take it in. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I was like, I, I love the idea of like having a show where people can sit, take it in not worry about if someone touches them, you know, mm-hmm. I'll always kind of say that in the show too, just to add that little bit of extra awareness that like, if a foot is touching you or whatever, like just try to be very cool about it. <laughs> yeah. Like that person is a part of you, you know, cause there's a thing about space sure. and absolutely whatever people are not comfortable with or like, um, I get it, do whatever you're comfortable with. And also, you know, maybe ask, is this because I feel like, this is my space or really if you feel like you can't handle mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. please, like I, I get it, you know. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a, like a safe space to feel comfortable to like be okay with touching another person just while chilling, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, if you can, if again, if you can manage to do that, feel a little bit more connected with a human, looking at them, not thinking about how different you are to me. Mm-hmm. but how how much of the same we potentially could be mm-hmm. you know everyone is uh everyone is god in drag if you will <laughs> sure and there's a there is that shared experience i mean why why go to a live performance where you are surrounded by numerous people you know if not to feel some sort of connection mm-hmm. if not with just with you as the performer but with other people who are there like mm-hmm. i always feel like especially these days where we have this ability to be by ourselves with our music at any point in time in any place in the world virtually not virtually but generally speaking you know going to uh, like a live performance and really being able to share that with other people i I, my own my own experience of that same uh, that same uh, experience is is that it's it's when you're at those shows where you're like we all know we're part of something special here this is like a really special occurrence it makes you feel more human more connected more grounded whatever you know and that's what we're looking for i think i like, think so too yeah ultimately like even uh, as like studies are coming out more and more on social media like um there is we do want to be connected. Seems almost a contradiction. And, it, <laughs> and it is in a lot of ways, right? So a lot of the studies that have come out is like, we are we are trying to be more connected and we are, you know, on that platform, but also the same time, the humanness of it is gone and it actually is creating a lot more uh, like depression and despair. Mm, more media than social. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. ask a bit a bit more about the psychedelia aspect of it but i feel like getting a sense from both your influence of 
maybe your mom, the geometrics, some of the experiences of psilocybin. Um, I guess what, I, what I'm curious about is the visual, was it something that you just were like, no, I really, really need visuals to be a part of this experience because it's, it's reflective of your own experience or was, it an, or was it more of like an immersion kind of thing where you just wanted to say, or I, want to give, I just want to give people something completely different. Something or, completely or like, different, yeah. yeah. Like a, land, a landscape that is... I mean, they're already on their backs, but... Yeah, like they're already for lying sure. Down, but. Yeah, well, if they're lying down, it's kind of like a musical planetarium, I guess, right? So um, there is some live feed, and you have the choice of looking at the, at the stage, too, of course. Um, but uh, I like the idea of, like, when I do psilocybin, I lie down, and I'm just staring with my eyes and mouth open for like eight hours <laughs> taking mm -hmm. in the information, you know, mm -hmm. or just in shock experiencing what's going on and just my mind is being blown. Um, so yeah, I, I'd like to like replicate that of like being comfortable and yeah, just taking in the experience, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the visual side of things is I'm a pretty visual person. Um, I like to make stuff. I love, uh, I'm getting into more digital collaging um, and uh, really into 3D projection mapping. So yes, the the definitely heavy influence from, from my mother, absolutely. And from my whole family, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I've always been like a maker and like a, I was a visual artist too in, in high school and stuff like that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you were working on the songs for the, for the album, did like did the womb concept come first and then you were kind of like I need something that supports this idea well or were you because I, as I was watching some video of the of the show I was sort of wondering like because there is so much involved technically mm -hmm. whether when you are writing you are writing with an intent to perform live like do you do that when you're writing songs or do you sort of like just making it and then going okay let's figure it. this out like afterwards how it's going to get yeah, put together I I o-catted it, so I made it and then intellectualized it afterwards. <laughs> no, not 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 so not so black and white. Um, yeah, I, it, very much that process where the the album it first started off with the intention of le learning Ableton while mm -hmm. making a record. Okay, there's a lot of genre jumping because I think I was just exploring a lot of um, just making and whatever I wanted to make. I just wanted to make without thinking about it too much. Then I like to practice it in that just to write about whatever the hell I want to write about. And for the most part, I have like a tendency and lately I, I've been having these tendencies to write about uh, personal experiences, potentially even painful. It's they're kind of it's kind of like my my diary without um, thinking that it's going to be out in the world. Mm. So, so like a therapeutic kind of a totally. process? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So expressing myself without being at all concerned if it's good or not, or mm. if this is how it should be, or this is how I'm supposed to be doing things. So, which is freeing and great and very important for me to do as a human being, um, for me. And then like, as, so that's already happening within me and already I'm already um, practicing. Then uh, I'm like, great. Looks like I have a couple songs. Looks like I'm going to like, the intent already was to make a record, you know? Um, I was like, some of these songs could stay. Some of them could go, this, that. Now, what, did it, what is it that you really want to say, you know? Like, um, 
truthfully, some of the songs are really transparent. Some of them are use like language that's like just not as straight and like in metaphor in some way. There's like maybe a couple, but at some point I was like, I need to be very transparent in my lyrical content because if I want to convey like very specific messages, I think I just have to be really honest literal. and straight, literal and yeah. open. When I, I came to making music in the first place, I always came at it from the vantage point of production first and lyrics second, almost always. I'm, I never considered myself a song, like a songwriter in the sense of writing out lyric and then trying to put music to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was always striving towards kind of this universality in a lyric if I could. So if it could be applicable in a number of situations, I would almost always think of it as a better song. Do you, do you think that way to some degree? Or does, do you think, especially in this kind of a context, that there is universality in your own personal experience in that same sense of like, all of these people connecting, there could be something common here between them. Um, almost like opening yourself up in that very real way exposes something maybe universal. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I exist, there must be someone else like me that exists. Right. If I exist. Uh, why and is it important for me to be honest and unique? We're talking about u- uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, I have to live with myself every day. And, uh, yeah, like, I, I just know that there's someone else that can relate to me. I mean, thus far, like having this show and, and this record and, and records before too, like people have related and on a, like a human being and it's good for me as a human being and I'll be better for it as a human being. It's better for me to be honest and to do what it is that I, I would like to do and what I would like to experience. I'll be a better, a better human for it um, and how I interact with other humans will be better for it too. Given that you've taken such a, a personal approach to how you've built your career, I would say that mm-hmm. you've done it like pretty much independently. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Um, but, With the help of uh, John Kong from Do-Ray. Well, Thank so you. I was just going to say, <laughs> shout out to John Kong. Um, so uh, this is something that I'm like, I'm always looking at and am balancing the benefits and maybe um, liabilities of is going with a label, going with something that's established, that maybe has a pre-established audience, given that there are other avenues now to do so, right? Like mm-hmm. you can set up your own Bandcamp page and you can sell it or whatever. You can have it some other mechanism via your own website. You can try and develop your own following and, you know, kind of get that. What do you see? Because you've had four albums now that you've uh, released? This will be my third. Yeah. Third album, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all with Do-Right, And too. all with Do-Right, yeah. So... So is it a just like a, a good relationship, or yeah. do you feel like he like John is able to do something that you just really don't want to have a part of, or totally yeah? all of that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, John's awesome with the Japanese market. 
which is um, where half of my fans, like I, I'm looking at the data on YouTube, I'm like, oh my gosh, the majority and, and half and the majority of my fans are from Japan. Okay. So he's really great at the Japanese market. Um, he's had some like very prolific uh, things from his experience that he uh, bestowed on me as a young artist that I really appreciate now as, a, as an older woman. Because like, here's the thing. It's like, I'm not just singing songs that I write. I'm producing the record. I'm mm -hmm. putting on these like high concept shows, doing um, like stage managing and mm -hmm. uh, creative directing. And so there's a lot going on, writing my own grants, you know. Um, it's nice to have some players in the mix. <laughs> it's yeah. really nice. Yeah. So it's great that Dalton Higgins is my PR and killing it in the PR department, you know, for Canada. Um, it's awesome that John Kong is, uh, like, helped or rather um, totally nailed lockdown Billboard Japan, you know? Like, it's it's good. Everyone has their strengths, you know? And a lot of people have so much to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. You know, even, even for the Virtual Womb show, I'm like, I can't read music. I, like... Lene Gabrielle is also like an integral part of uh, Virtual Womb. She she's the musical director, and she like she killed it. She rearranged um, the the record um, for the live show for an ensemble, and it just sounds incredible. So like it's like I have to be privy to seeing these people's strengths mm -hmm. and just aligning myself with with these teamsters. You know these great like masters uh by their own right you know yeah. and have their own strengths you can't do it all yourself you can do it all yourself you can try i guess right you can try why not yeah. you know you can totally do it yourself and that's like that's well and good um but for me at this point you know it's nice to have like other people in the mix for for many reasons yeah many many reasons so what are you looking for when you're like uh, let's say before you decided on Lene? was it um you know, or in any of these people, what are the, what are the relationship factors that make you feel, you know, trust or trust these people? Totally, that's a good one. Their value system, right? Their work ethic, and then their talent. If you okay. want to know the truth, okay. Their value system. Where do their values for trust? Where where do their values align? Or are they like, like what's what's going on <laughs> with them internally? No judgment, just like, because it will definitely cut back on what the project is going forward. You mm -hmm. know, it will cut back on any kind of, um, if you're prioritizing like just making money and you don't care what it means to get there, you don't care what that process is like uh, because money is your ultimate goal, then that kind of doesn't really work for me because it's the process for me. If you're, yeah, if you're, if your process is shady in many ways and you're devaluing like community and people, then I'm going to have a bit of issue with that because it doesn't really work with my values. Work ethic. I don't care how talented you are. If you don't have work ethic, you know, if you haven't like been through the ringer over and over again and understand what that process is like, um, or make, make up excuses for this, that, et cetera, that's fine and you can do that and you got to be easy to work with yeah i got to see you at three in the morning we got to be editing video till five in the morning and still be good yeah. with each other yeah so that's like that's what's got to happen like egos and work ethic that's got to work like hand in hand yeah and then talent talent really 
you could be the most talented person in the world, but if your values are riddled in God knows what, and like, uh, which is fine, you do mm-hmm. whatever the hell you want in your life. It's your life. Um, <laughs> and your work ethic is like just like a bag of excuses, then I just can't. Like, you're talented, but like, then I can't because like I gotta potentially. You still have to have a slack or like whatever day to day relationship with this person. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So for this album, my understanding is, and it, I guess for the show too, so much of it was really just you. It was all you for this mm-hmm. one. You were learning how to use Ableton for the first time. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and producing all the tracks, writing all the tracks yourself. Um, how did you find that experience compared to some of your previous work? Like, were you collaborating with a lot of people? I know you did have a band at one point when mm-hmm. I was seeing you perform. Yeah, the first record, first record, Choose Your Own Adventure, I did, um, I was learning how to play. Each record is a new experience. So the first record, I was learning how to play harp and just had people play on it. Um, and some, we did some work like pre to getting in the studio and, and um, like a couple of us actually arranged some of the tunes together. Um, but the second record, Escapeology, was all very much prearranged and working with uh, Eric Wollstone, Andrew Scott, Chris Kettlewell, and James Taylor on a lot of those uh, arrangements. Um, like a lot of the songs were done, like I wrote the songs mm-hmm. and arranged them that way. But then any kind of like fun, interesting, like potential bridges, stuff like that too. Uh, Jason Nicolto, I do want to throw in there too, because he did have like a heavy hand in just even chords. Um, so usually how it works is like, I'll usually do the skeleton side of things, which is on guitar or piano or harp, and then, uh, or just a vocal. Uh, and then like players will come in and like comp underneath and mm-hmm. add their own thing, et cetera, et cetera. And then like the arranging begins, the produ- pr- production, producing begins, cutting certain things out, carving certain things out, et cetera. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say like, um, Jason Nicolto had like a pretty big hand in the keys, the, the changing of the keys and Andrew Scott also. So I just want to give, give those guys uh, shouts. shouts and respect. Um, and then the difference is, is uh, yeah, one was collaborative with people, uh, as I explained, and, and this process was very much alone. In studio, um, learning machine also. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, like uh, also in terms of like progressions and sequence of progressions, it was kind of nice to um, just lay a bunch of chords. All my natural tendencies, however I play piano, however I play guitar, however I play harp, throw all those chords into the machine and then just mix up those sequences uh, by playing it out differently. Oh, okay. Which was really cool and fun. I didn't realize that's how you arranged it. I mean, I, mean, I didn't ask you, but... Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was. it's kind of cool because, uh, again, it's just like every, uh, every record is uh, like a new way of like um, learning an instrument or a piece of software or something. Like, again, I'm a fan of cult- the cultivation of skill and, and learning out of just feeding my curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like play for me, you know?
like the Michael Jackson off the wall way of doing things, uh, which is like something that I can like foresee sort of going forward too. Is like you get like some really great producers, writers that you absolutely love and adore, mm-hmm. and then you still work on a tune or two. MJ, you know, on your own to mm-hmm. develop that skill. Mm-hmm. I think that's like really great. So it's yeah. like, yeah, you get like all these like great ideas uh, working and you guys get to have this great, beautiful experience together to make mm-hmm. a body of work that's just banging and so hout. And then you also get to work on your own shit too, right? Yeah. So cool. Like uh, there's this reoccurring theme that I keep seeing of how work or practice and that sort of discipline or skill-based system is so beneficial when it comes to just playing. Mm-hmm. And you can get to that point where it's just play. Mm-hmm. But without the sort of fundamentals in place, it's, it's much more frustrating in the mm-hmm. process. Yeah. So having gone through these various albums, each one of these songs, you've picked up the skill, now you've got it, now you're really, really working with them. And then you can truly express yourself. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I already did a self-produced record. So already feel <laughs> yeah. cool about that. Check. <laughs> you know? And I think also part part of me was like, I got to like self-produce this record for kind of this uh, sort of like stubborn side of me too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. As an aside, you know? Okay. And it's only like a couple percents, but it's in there. So it's like, yeah, the idea of like... Um, I've always been told I need to get a producer. You should get a mm. producer. You should always get a producer. Mm. I have a Tenorion project or I just like produce everything on this tiny little box. I think this song sounds dope as hell. But like, you know, you hear from some people like you should get a producer. Some people are like, you are a producer. Just yeah. <laughs> just go for it, you know? Yeah. And I think a par- part of it is that and part of it, it also is like a female producing. I was like, well, mm. looks like I'm just going to have to produce this record just to be another... <laughs> Variation in the world that does exist, that's female, that produces, yeah. as an example. Yeah. Why not? It's the sort of that same idea of like permission or giving yourself permission, that sort of compassionate aspect of allowing yourself to do something on your own and then being okay with the results. Like if, if, if you've done it, who, you can't blame anybody else for the end result. Totally. But if you're, but if you're just as satisfied with it, why... You know, just because somebody else doesn't like it. I mean, what was the point of doing it in the first place? Mm-hmm. Were you trying to express an idea that you had? Or were you trying to express an idea through somebody else's lens? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, it seems like you're somewhat more gratified in being able to at least say like, well, if I'm dissatisfied with this song, it's because of something that I wasn't able to do or that I didn't try to do, you know. or, or Yeah, you know and I've mean? made my peace with that too, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, as totally. I, we, we were talking about it before that you had sort of said that it's as a, you can feel satisfied that you've made those choices and at the end of the day or the end of the life, mm-hmm. you can be okay with it because mm-hmm. it's like, this is what I decided to do and I did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I would, I, I'd hate the idea that, uh, I think what, what like disturbs me more is um, that uh, I didn't trust my intuition and... Uh, went with someone else's idea, even though I really wanted to try to execute it for the experience alone, even for that, you know? Um, This is not like an egoic thing. This is like a, you know, like an expression thing. Um, And then having it manifest through someone else's lens and uh, me being like, oh, I missed out on the experience of it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and uh, being like, you know. So the experience being as important if not maybe more important than the end result yeah absolutely like not to really 
lay in that cliche because it's yeah, such yeah. a cliche, you know, yeah. but it is true. Like there is something really nice about processes. Like I was saying before in the kitchen, you know, like, and even in this earlier in this interview, like with virtual womb, I was really getting into the process of it. And then the performing, performing, it was great. It was satisfying. It was, I got a huge applause, felt very nice for my ego. <laughs> and uh, recognition is always nice, you know. Um, but the next day I was like, oh, it's over. Yeah. Like, I really, but uh, yeah, after the show was done, I was like, huh, what's, what's next? Yeah. Like, st- like, like that feeling of like, I should always be doing something. Yeah. I need to be doing totally. something. Yeah. So is that more what you're reflecting on is, do I need to be doing something? Like, yes. should I be resting now? Yeah. Like I've should done I be all changing with the seasons? Yeah, right, right. totally, totally. Um, maybe as a last thing to sort of get into related to all this, um, the very idea of removing your ego at the situation. We were talking a bit about your meditation practice and how that sort of helped you to connect um, with this concept in particular, the virtual womb concept, sort of removal of ego and, uh, living in the present and that kind of thing. Um, what else? I, I just think personally, I found it beneficial. So, what what have you found that's you know helped your your practice in doing that? What what why why did you do it? Why did you start to do it? And I think this year after India, there's various things. Um, but to Cole's notes, it I think it was a pretty dark dark year. Okay. Like, you mean in general or for you personally? For me personally. Okay. For me personally and probably in general, but uh, there I could see the benefits of mm. what's happening anyhow. Even even the darkness, like there's a lot of things coming to the surface that I think are important to to be talked about, you mm-hmm. know, and discuss. But for myself personally, I moved back home to my folks' place and it was like the classic like they were right. Being an artist is hard. I'm a failure. They're all right. I'm 36. I don't have kids. I'm not married. They were all right. This, the way things should be in the suburbs now that I'm here, I feel like I've like, I can't really relate. Like a lot of my friends in the suburbs, they all have kids or they're married or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, can't really relate to this, you yeah. know, in terms of like this experience. I think it's great that everyone's doing it, but I'm not here yet, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I'm like, what do I have? Like just really getting, really getting inside of it, you know, really getting inside of it. So, and then being back home, there's like some like family reminders of like some traumatic experiences when I was young. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, uh, I was like, in order for me to understand what's going on without getting too wrapped up in my own thoughts and, or I don't know what's going on is I need to like trust the divine. So I need, and, or I just need to, be more of an improviser at life. It is my distaste and discomfort of my expectations that's bringing me this discomfort and distaste. It's my what I'm supposed to be doing or what I think I should be doing that uh, these biases or these like, yeah, these constructs, these like expectations again um, that I haven't met that uh, it's that's this is what's bringing me suffering. Mm hmm. So guess what I have to learn? I have to learn how to be cool with this. I have to learn how to improvise with whatever comes my way. I'm used to just kind of doing what I like. I'm used to kind of having some type of control over my life. 
again, made my own record again, like make my own show. Like I'm used to having my hands and controlling it, I guess is the only word that I can use right now. I don't feel like I'm in control. Mm. So what am I going to do about that? You know, my mind is kind of working against me. I'm scared to do mushrooms at this point, you know, because I don't know what's going to come up and if I can like mentally handle it. Um, so it's like, I need to meditate and I need to meditate every day, regardless if I believe in it or not, you know, just as something, some kind of routine and something to like kind of get the, the second, the ego, the, that like second voice, just be a bit of an observer of that, you know? So my, my mantra was, uh, I trust in the divine will. That was my mantra for many, many, many months. Uh, maybe even like half a year or a year, who knows? Anyhow, um, and lo and behold, things always <laughs> tend to work out fortunately. My my mantra was I trust in the divine will. Uh, jobs, jobs come to me easily enough, artistic jobs, you know. I get to choose what I like to do. Uh, art homes will open up to me wherever mm. uh, around the world opportunities will open up around the world and these things have been happening which is great yeah. we're in this incredible home with this like studio which is amazing um i have all these other houses i'm gonna sublet come in, like this next year coming up yeah all art homes you know um traveling around the world and and do you think all of that is is like a do you think there is a cause and effect relationship or do you think it's just about you not second guessing yourself and sort of just allowing yourself to be sort of like in, in the present or without, I, again, that's, I feel like that's become a cliche as well, you know, live right. in the present, but it's, it's more about like, like you said, silencing that second, that second voice, silencing the other stuff so that you can just kind of be like, oh, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to do. And these things will come to me be, by virtue of me just being me and doing what I want to do mm -hmm. and people seeing that this is who I am and they, you know, they want to work with me or whatever. Totally. I feel like if I still stayed in my old place and continued with my habits there, I wouldn't have room for these opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's something in that too, of like allowing your mind uh, not to be populated by certain thoughts and certain uh yeah, compulsive thinking, maybe old, old habitual ways of thinking. So you can allow new ways of thinking um, and allow like more opportunity, you know? I do believe like regardless if I'm, you know, med meditating every day and just uh, brainwashing myself slowly and tricking myself <laughs> <laughs> into <laughs> believing all these things, uh, I mean... <laughs> It's uh, either way. It's working out pretty it's good. It's working out pretty good. Yeah. I gotta tell you. You know what? Honestly, not mad at it. And uh, guess what? Uh, bit of a fan of it. And uh, I guess time will tell. Really, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. Taking uh. the data, you know, thus far. Find the balance, I guess, or you know, whatever you keep your or don't mind find the balance or don't. But just be happy that with yeah, either one. Yeah, find peace with yeah. either one, regardless. Yeah. 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 Or not. And whatever, it's your life. You're the one that has to talk to you at the end of the day. I won't be there. <laughs> well, you know, we could, we could, maybe it's a new project we could work on. It's just like yeah. daily, Maley's dailies, Maley's dailies. Maley's dailies. Affirmations. Affirmation. Yeah, me yeah. constantly making a bold statement and then immediately regretting my choice <laughs> yeah. and backpedaling on, exactly. uh, on it. Yeah. This is popular. This is good. <laughs>
It's um, me battling my ego constantly. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for Thanks. speaking with me today. It Thanks, was really a lot of fun. You. And yeah, and uh, I would like to do it again sometime. Anyway, yeah. thank you so much. Nice. Thanks. All Thanks, right. Jerry. If you like what you heard on the show today and would like to support it, I would encourage you to go to my Patreon page and become a patron. Patrons will get access to exclusive content and can help decide which guests come on the show and what I ask them, as well as other rewards along the way. Support will enable the show to become bigger and better in many ways. There'll be a link to the page on both the Mind to Make website at www.mindtomake.com, as well as in the show notes in the description for the podcast. Thanks again so much for listening, and please tune in next time. <laughs>